Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ottoman History Podcast. I'm Matt Gazarian. And I'm Susie Ferguson. And we're here today in the 16th arrondissement of Paris at the Nubarian Library with Dr. Boris Ajemian, director of the Nubarian Library and author of La Fanfare du Negus, Les Arméniens en Éthiopie, which could be roughly translated as The Brass Band of the King, Armenians in Ethiopia. Uh, we're here today to talk about the Nubarian Library and its history, its present, and its future, as well as its resources for Ottoman and Armenian studies and those who study the broader Middle East. Boris, thanks a lot for being with us here today. Welcome. So I wanted to start just with a general history of the Nubarian Library. If you could just talk to us a little bit about its founder, Bogos Nubar, the organization that he was leading at the time, the Armenian General Benevolent Union, and the history of the Librarian's Foundation, Libraries Foundation. Yeah, uh, so the, the library was founded in 1928 uh, with the aim of um, preserving all that could be gathered from the destroyed Armenian world, Ottoman Armenian world uh, during uh, the, the Great War. Uh, so it was uh, the, the, the idea, uh, fundamentally the idea of Boros Nubar. Uh, Boros Nubar was the son uh, of Nubar Pasha, the former prime minister of Egypt. So uh, he was uh, the heir of uh, uh, an important Armenian family uh, from Egypt. And uh, he uh, founded or co-founded the Armenian General Benevolent Union uh, in Cairo, in 1906 with other Armenian fellows and uh, they uh, after they after a while they, they moved uh, the seat of the organization uh, in Paris uh, after the great war uh, and uh, to explain this move uh, I have also to stress that Boros Nubar was not only the head of uh, the first president of the AGBU, uh, Armenian General Benevolent Union, but he was also, after 1912, the head of the Armenian National Delegation. Uh, so he was, this, uh, he was um, appointed the, the, as the head of this Armenian National Delegation. This is to the peace Negotiations after the Great War? No, before, in 1912, by Kevork V, the Catholicos of Echmiadzin, sure. uh, it was in the context of uh, when the Armenians were fighting uh, to, 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 to have reforms uh, inside the Ottoman, Ottoman, Empire. Ottoman Empire with the help of uh, where, when some uh, great powers were pushing in this uh, direction. And so the Armenians... Uh, had the idea to organize themselves to create this Armenian national delegation, even though there was no Armenian state at the time. But uh, it was also a way to uh, to be there, even if there was no state, and to have a voice uh, in the discussion. So uh, uh, this uh, made that uh, uh, Boros Nubar came to Paris during the war because uh, he it was nece necessary for him to be close to the to the to the allies to the governments right. and to to push in favor of what could happen in the Ottoman Empire after uh, the collapse mm. of the empire and uh, also to try to to create a new armenia or to have uh, to push in favor of uh, improvement for their condition right 
Right. So this is sort of the, you know, where I guess where 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 Bogos Nubar came from and, and the sort of genesis of the library. Um, what you said about sort of reconstructing a, a destroyed Ottoman Armenian world is very fascinating. I mean, so how did they get um, how did they get documents and papers to come here? What is the sort of origin of the collections that you have? Uh, you know, these things that that Bogos Nubar brought with him from Cairo or, or where where did the resources come from? A lot of materials Uh, went from uh, uh, Bolis, uh, Constantinople, uh, Istanbul. Uh, um, they were given by uh, rich uh, Armenian collectors. Uh, so uh, 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 the basis of the bibliographical collection of the library, the basis was given by these great collectors, three or four Uh, uh, big uh, characters, collectors uh, from Constantinople. But these are for the books. There is also the question of the press because the library is very rich for the newspapers uh, coming from Istanbul, from Smyrna, for, from other towns of the Ottoman Empire. And also, uh, again, uh, this came directly uh, from, this, uh, uh, from Turkey. Uh, I think uh, after the war and uh, also... Uh, there is the question of the archives because the library has a lot of archives. By the archives, are you talking about papers from the Armenian Patriarchate of Constantinople? Yes, uh, exactly. The, these archives uh, were sent to uh, Manchester after the, the end of the war. Yeah, because uh, you know that during the, the, um, the war, uh, the, the Patriarchate was... Um, dissolved and the patriarch was uh, expelled but uh, in 1918 at the end of the war he went back in december he went back to constantinople which was occupied by the allies by the british the french and the italians and uh, the patriarchate was restored and they uh, immediately the armenians immediately created a board uh, what they call information board information bureau to investigate and to collect as many documents as they could uh, to make light, to shed light on what happened during the war uh, against the Armenians mm -hmm. in the perspective of the trials which were uh, going to, uh, to take place in Constantinople in 1919. Mm -hmm. So uh, they collected a lot of materials and uh, when the, the Kemalists Uh, were about to uh, seize uh, the town, uh, the, the capital uh, at the time, uh, they, uh, the, the Armenians preferred to transfer the, this large amount of uh, documents uh, to Europe. And they sent it to Manchester because there was at the time a rich, well, uh, wealthy uh, community uh, of merchants, Armenian merchants in Manchester. And from then, Uh, from there, uh, this collection of archives went to Marseille with the bishop um, uh, Balakian, Krikoris Balakian. Mm. He was a survivor of the genocide and he was appointed as the new uh, bishop uh, in Marseille. Uh, so he came with these documents and finally the documents were sent to Paris where they, they remained. Ha uh, half of this uh, documentation Uh, especially the document uh, concerning the the most recent period, the mm. period of the war, were sent uh, late, later on in 1938 to Jerusalem, to mm. the Armenian Patriarchate in Jerusalem, mm. where they remained up to date. So, uh, you know, it sounds like 
uh, you mentioned that there are there's a rich press sources. Um, Matt mentioned that it's there's the part of the archive of the Armenian Patriarchate from Constantinople that came here. Um, maybe you could just give us a sense of you know the sort of other rich areas of the collection or the the sort of resources you would want to highlight uh, that are here. Turning back to the books, I have to say that now the collection is about forty three thousand volumes of printed books uh, uh, and so it is not enormous of course for a, uh, a library if you compare to <laughs> big institutions but in the Armenian diaspora uh, it is very important because other institutions like the Nubar library are not numerous there, are, there is the Jerusalem uh, Patriarchate library, there is the uh, library in Venezia uh, the Mkhitarist library in Venezia from the Catholic Armenian Catholic congregation of the Meritarists. And there is the same congregation which is present in Vienna, Austria. They have a very rich collection, mainly for newspapers. And uh, and that's all. So the fourth library, the Paris library, the Nubal library, is uh, very important if you compare to the, what is existing outside of uh, France. And the fact is also that I have to stress that uh, this collection is open to, uh, is available to anybody, uh, which is not always uh, uh, the case uh, when you deal with uh, ecclesiastical libraries, because sometimes the question of access to the materials is more difficult. Yes, and we should we should uh, we should emphasize to our listeners that uh, this is a beautiful place to come and work. Uh, it's in a very nice part of Paris. Uh, it's very welcoming. So you know, this is also an an easy and pleasant place to access many of the many of the resources. Yes, thank you. So, uh, and about the newspapers, so we have about uh, 1,000 series of newspapers. Uh, all of them are not complete, but some of them are. And the, the, the main wealth of this collection all, uh, regards, of course, the Ottoman Armenian newspapers from the mid-19th century up to the 1920s, 1930s, uh, so the beginning of the, the Turkish Republican era. Uh, and uh, also for the archives, I mentioned the, uh, the Armenian Patriarchate archives, but uh, that's not uh, all. We also have a very rich collection of archives from this organization, AGBU, uh, uh, a very important documentation if you want to study uh, what happened to the Armenian uh, refugees, uh, survivors, uh, orphans after the war, because AGBU was one of the uh, most important organization, humanitarian organization, who was working uh, to help these people. So you can follow day by day uh, the, their, their activities uh, on the basis of this documentation. So you were just describing to us how you know the archives of Armenian materials, much like Armenians themselves, have been scattered around the world in uh, in Europe, in Jerusalem, um, I'm in the U.S. in Armenia itself, and so I'm curious about uh, the Nubarian Library's collections in particular. For example, with the AGBU collections that you just described, or the Patriarchate collections you just described if there are certain periods that they cover or certain types of documents that they have compared to the other ones. So, for example, if I'm a researcher of a particular period and I happen to be passing through Paris, I might get a better idea of what new Barian could hold for me compared to these other collections in Vienna, in Venice, in Jerusalem, etc. I think the, the, the archives uh, are, with the newspapers perhaps, 
but Vienna is also very rich for the newspapers, uh, uh, perhaps richer than the Nubar Library, I have mm. to, to admit, mm. <laughs> but uh, uh, the, uh, um, the Nubar Library is a kind of uh, second option if you can't access to, if you can't go to Vienna. Mm. And also uh, for the archives and also for the photographs, uh, we are mm. very rich and it is, this is very unique. For the archives also, I want to stress, I need to stress that we have the uh, part of the archives of the Armenian National Delegation mm. here, uh, which are accessible, and uh, for the period, of course, 1912 to 1925. Uh, and also, uh, which is perhaps more important, we have the uh, Andonian archives. And then I have to speak about uh, Andonian, Aram Andonian, who was the first um, director of the library from 1928 to the year of his death in 1951. Mm. So uh, Aram Andonian was himself a a former journalist from Istanbul. And uh, he he was uh, one of the the rare survivors of the 24th of April. Sure, the arrest and subsequent execution of hundreds of Armenian intellectuals cultural figures, etc. Sure. Exactly, exactly. So he spent the, the rest of his life to try to document what he called this history of the deportation and the massacres. At the time, the word genocide was not used in Armenian circles before the end of uh, uh, the Second World War. But uh, so he he left an impressive amount of uh, which means in Armenian testimonies, Testimonies of victims, mm. mainly testimonies of victims, uh, which helped a lot uh, to uh, improve the historiography and to diversify uh, the viewpoint of the historiography mm. of the genocide in the last years with the work of Raymond Kevorkian, mm. uh, who was my predecessor in the library and who is now one of the most renowned specialists of the history of the Armenian genocide. Mm. And he based uh, mainly his research on these uh, victim testimonies uh, that are, were gathered by Andonian and that are still in the library. So I imagine that those testimonies are probably written in Armenian yeah. Uh, so I I am curious about um you know resources in the library for for those of us like myself who have not yet had the chance to learn uh, Armenian. How how it, are there things here for uh, scholars of the Ottoman Empire or of the Middle East uh, who have not yet learned Armenian? Yeah. Uh, so uh, of course half of the the documentation is in Armenian in the library roughly, but. Uh, the other half is in di- diverse languages such as uh, French, uh, German, English, and uh, also uh, t- Ottoman Turkish. Uh, there are quite a lot of sources in Ottoman Turkish, uh, and uh, also uh, also photographs, of course, that can be useful to anybody. Yeah, yeah we had what we had wanted to ask you actually about the photograph collection. Uh, we yeah. had just had. Um, uh, a podcast on uh, Ottoman photographs uh, very recently on a, uh, a an event or a display that they had in Istanbul. So I'm curious, you know, if you could tell us a little bit about the collection of images and what, what people might find uh, find here. Yeah, Bond, you know the, about the role of the Armenian photographs in the uh, Ottoman Empire and later on in Egypt, in the Middle East, uh, even in Ethiopia, for example. So uh, therefore, it is not surprising that we, uh, we kept a lot of... Uh, of photographs from this period. So these are photographs that are Armenian photographers in Ottoman realms were taking before the empire had collapsed? 
Yeah, so part of the collection, Ayo, uh, yes, part of the collection uh, goes uh, to the end of the 19th century. And uh, also, uh, for example, the photographs from the Abdullah brothers, who were very famous uh, in the time of Abdullah Hamid and later on in Istanbul. Uh, uh, photographs like uh, Lekejan, Garabed Lekejan in Egypt, or uh, uh, other photographs, very uh, renowned photographs in Palestine, or this kind of uh, um, photograph producers. And uh, also, uh, we have a, a large collection of photographs of the uh, uh, Armenian diasporic communities after the end of the war. This is uh, linked, of course, to the activity of AGBU uh, to help the survivors and uh, all these people. Uh, that's why we have a lot of uh, uh, photographs from this period, the 1920s and 1930s also. Uh, for co concerning the the what the the library could bring also to uh, non-Armenian spe specialists and uh, uh, in a broader sense sense to uh, Ottomanists, uh, I, I believe I strongly believe that uh, the the fact of course the language is a is a barrier is a problem, but uh, the 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 amount of information. That you can find in the Armenian press of uh, in the Armenian newspapers of Constantinople, for example, not only Constantinople, also the provinces. Uh, you can't avoid this. I mean, uh, even for Ottomanists, I strongly encourage Ottomanists to come to the library because uh, to uh, to bring about uh, to try to develop a social history of the Ottoman Empire. This kind of sources are uh, really uh, not unique, but really uh, essential. And I should also make a plug here, because what I've discovered here, which is really useful for me, is that a lot of Ottomanists today have, in fact, uh, been able to look into these sources without having Armenian. And that's through this very interesting language, Armeno-Turkish, yeah. uh, which is Ottoman that's been written with the Armenian script, and uh, the work of Murat Chankara, for example, suggests that this isn't just Ottomans today, Ottomanists today, but in fact, major figures in Ottoman history, like Basiret Chiali, Namik Kemal, Ahmed Mitat, and Ahmed Isan Tukyos, uh, major figures of 19th century Ottoman literary culture, politics, etc., were at least following developments in the Armeno-Turkish press, if not reading it themselves. And as a student who struggles with uh, learning how to read Turkish written in the Arabic script, which is how Ottoman was written. It's in many ways almost a blessing to sit down with Ottoman, you know, written with Armenian script. As somebody who had learned the Armenian script uh, at an earlier stage in my life, however, um, I would encourage Ottomanists who may not have think believe they have the time or energy at the moment to take on the Armenian language to at least consider. Uh, learning the Armenian alphabet and seeing how a number of sources here uh, include sections written in Armeno-Turkish consistently mm -hmm. or even entire newspapers like those of Garabet Panosyan that were published completely in Ottoman, simply written with the yeah. Armenian script. And you have the equivalent in, with Greeks. Sure, Karamanlaja, yeah. yeah. 
so uh, and we we published, for example, the the last issue of our journal because the library published a journal, uh, um, biannual and bilingual journal, English French, uh, and the whole issue was about uh, art histories in the the Ottoman Empire at the end of the Ottoman Empire, and uh, the 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 director, the editor of this uh, last issue, uh, Vasken Davidian stressed uh, the importance of uh, uh, let's say minority sources uh, even if minority is not the right word probably but Greek sources Armenian sources uh, Syriac sources other sources to improve the knowledge of uh, Ottoman history and uh, he, he the, the, the study that he, he published shows a very uh, uh, clearly, brightly, that uh, you can't uh, do Ottoman history uh, without considering the diversity of what was the Ottoman Empire. Absolutely. I mean, it seems very clear to me that uh, for a kind of rich social history or even intellectual history of, of the Ottoman mm -hmm. Empire, you know, these kinds of sources are, um, are, are necessary in a way. And perhaps uh, Armeno-Turkish, as Matt mentioned, is a way, is a, is a, preliminary way in uh, for, for, for people who don't necessarily have Armenian or Greek, um, but also, you know, to encourage uh, young scholars in the field maybe to make an effort to pick up some of these languages in order to do the kind of history that you're talking about. That seems very valuable. And also to, to, to use the collections of a library like this one. We have now some uh, Turkish colleagues coming to the library. Uh, it is quite new, I have to, to say. <laughs> uh, it is very encouraging. And uh, some of them uh, are learning uh, Armenian. So I think uh, also perhaps uh, a new period is starting. Yeah, uh, well, that sounds, you know, we can, we, we all probably welcome, uh, you know, this kind of, uh, of interaction. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, you, you know, I, I, I believe that uh, also... Um, Uh, Armenologist, let's mm. say, uh, should also uh, be uh, encouraged to learn Turkish. I mean, uh, it's a double sense, uh, it's a reciprocal uh, uh, movement that should be made. Absolutely, that's a great point. Uh, so we we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that you are the author of um, this book with a wonderful title uh, about the history of Armenians in Ethiopia. Did you use the collections of the library at all in that research or... Not really at the time, because it was uh, rather a kind of um, historical anthropology uh, mm. inquiry. Mm. Uh, so, and uh, most of the materials that I gathered were gathered uh, in the field, I would say. Right. So in Addis Abeba. So, uh, it so was maybe not the same. maybe you could tell us then. You know, when you sort of uh, when you come into the library in the morning and you see all of the materials, what are the what are the kind of pressing questions that you think, like you know, young researchers might. Um, might start to develop projects about that they could use the library to do some of their research? I think that uh, in the past years, in the last uh, 20 years, a lot have been made on the history of the genocide in the library. And I think that uh, people coming now uh, should try to diversify their uh, centers of interest and to write about uh, what I was saying, social history, cultural history of the Ottoman Armenians or other communities, uh, but uh, a kind of history uh, that is still uh, not uh, very developed uh, as it could be. Uh, if you compare with ho other uh, hi European historiographies, for example, and we have the materials, we have 
uh, you can't say that there are no sources. We have a lot of sources, but people are patient enough to come and read the newspapers, to read the archives, uh, to to spend time uh, uh, are not uh, so uh, numerous, uh, not so mm-hmm. many. So, but uh, we, what can I do? <laughs> what is the future of the New Bayern Library? Uh, what are the what plans do you have for the collections? Uh, uh to possibly digitize or or other ways to make the materials here available to a broader audience of both scholars and uh readers with interest yeah but we we the the future of the library is a big question uh because the in a few years the library will be 100 years old uh and uh, really the library is an institution in the the Armenian community, in the French Armenian community, and there were other institutions uh, from this of the same level in the past, but they uh, more or less disappeared. I'm talking about intellectual institutions, intellectual centers where intellectual were gathering, uh, exchanging ideas, writing, reading. And this kind of uh, uh, places disappear more or less, and uh, only uh, remain the the the, the Nubal Library. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, its uh, role um, um, changed because it is not anymore uh, only uh, um, a center for the uh, the French Armenian community because the public the audience of the library is international really uh, uh, even though in France uh, people are less talking Armenian than in the past uh, less using it less reading it uh, people are now coming from uh, a lot of countries uh, a lot of continents uh, to study the collections uh, are contacting us for having materials materials that they can't find elsewhere in Istanbul, in Yerevan, in Armenia. They can't find them, so they are going coming to us. So uh, uh, the, the I think the library uh, have to to keep its identity and to, to keep its uh, um, roots uh, in Paris, in France, because it's it's really a diasporic, it is really a diaspora institution. This is uh, the the history, the the soul of the library. It comes as an heritage of the genocide, but as a kind of reconstruction in exile mm. of what have been Armenia in the past. So it is not the Caucasus Armenia. It is not the same uh, universe than in uh, uh, Eastern Armenia. It is uh, it is a, a kind of memory heritage of uh, uh, what was the the Ottoman Armenia. Mm. And uh, so uh, I think it is considered like this in the diaspora now. Mm. And as you say, I mean the library itself has a has an important history, right? Which is part of the history of Armenian intellectual life, which brought these these resources to Paris and has kept them here and has you know contributed to their use within this community so it does seem you know important uh you know perhaps were one to encounter these collections online one one would not have to think carefully as as we started to do a little bit earlier about the history of the library and you know how the documents came and how the different collections have been added so that's that's a, a fascinating point and I think you know for um for researchers and readers who have the opportunity to come to Paris yeah. it's a it's a useful 
exercise. Yes. Still, the history of the library uh, has to be written. Uh, and uh, about the digitization, uh, I think, of course, it is necessary. Uh, we uh, we are um, developing now programs of digitization, and we we want to to. Um, uh, to make them accessible, to make the, the part of the material accessible, especially the uh, archive materials and uh, the uh, most valuable collections of newspapers, uh, to make them accessible online. So this is a uh, uh, commitment of the library uh, for the future for, for the future month and years. Well, the future sounds promising. So. Boris, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Uh, our discussion has covered the history of the Nubarian Library, the details of its holdings, and more specifically, how it could serve as a resource for not only those who study the history of Armenians, but also those who study the Ottoman Empire and the broader Middle East. Um, for those who want to find out more about the Nubarian Library and its collections, Please check out our website, uh, www.ottomanhistorypodcast.com, where you can find useful links to information about the library, as well as hundreds of other episodes from the Ottoman History Podcast. <laughs>